All right. So today, um, we're, I'm beginning a little different study today. Um, I, I'm going to be moving into, I believe, the parables of Jesus is kind of where I'd like to go as things progress. But I really felt we needed to start at the beginning of Matthew chapter 7, which is kind of the, the chapter that some of the par- most of the parables begin with. But the study that we're talking about today is kind of setting it up about how do we go through the parables of Jesus because we have to learn how to judge. So what I'm talking about today is judging and being judged. And I know that this is a difficult topic because we can so easily get off track in how we judge people, how we judge things, and how we accept judgment in our life. One of the things I so appreciate about Jesus' teachings is that he never shied away from hard topics. You know, he had lots of good things to talk about and lots of good things in his ministry, and he could have very well stayed away from the hard topics, but he didn't. He dealt with them head on, and therefore we need to do that as well. So it's important that we learn how to judge. How do we judge properly? Do we judge is the first question we need to ask ourselves. And if we do, then how do we judge? And what's our motive for judging? So um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I will say that this is a very complicated and often misunderstood and misapplied area of life when it comes to judging and being judged. Um, in fact, even saying the word judge or judging or judgment is harsh. I mean, it, it, is, it isn't a nice sounding word. It, it's just difficult. But I think when we see really what Jesus is referring to, we're going to see it to be very loving and very beneficial to our lives as we learn how to judge, who to judge, What is the right motive of judgment and uh, learning how to be judged ourselves? So our text is Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. You can read along with me here or open in your Bible. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father, we need your help here. We need your help in how to properly discern the word, that we understand what you're really saying in this and that we can learn how to properly apply it in our lives so that we can be a benefit to the kingdom and not a not a detriment. So we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to open our hearts to hear, open our minds to understand, and help me to speak the word that needs to be spoken in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is Jesus really saying here when he tells us not to judge? Do you think that Jesus is really saying that we're not to judge ever? That we're to just accept people 
or accept things at face value and not to judge them? Or do you think that maybe he's saying that we're to judge things and people in a way that we want people to judge us? The reality is, folks, we judge all the time. We are all the time judging. It's a part of life. Whether we like to realize it, admit it or not, we judge all the time. You're judging me right now. You're judging if you like the clothes that I'm wearing. You're judging me if I was debating if I should tuck my shirt in or leave it untucked when I came in. And I I had it untucked when I got here. And I I looked in the mirror when I got to my office. I said, you know, Mike, you better tuck. Just talk, because Nancy Spence tells me, Mike, tuck your shirt in. So, <laughs> so see, I'm being judged all the time. Even by my spiritual mom, I'm being judged. And I accept your judgment, Nancy. <laughs> you see, Jesus was judged. And most of the time, he was judged incorrectly. But he was judged. And what we're going to find here as we go through this, that even when he was judged incorrectly, he didn't tell the people to stop judging him. What he said was, judge correctly. So we're going to understand, I hope, by the end of this message today, what it means to judge. And how do we judge? And how do we accept the judgment of others? Let's go back to our text. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it sounds from here that Jesus is just saying, Don't judge, and be very careful here. But then if you go on in this same, our text, he says, first, he says, he gives us the process of judging. First, he says, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, is there a difference between a plank and a speck? Huge. Yeah, I mean, for the builders here, here, you know that a plank of wood is not a speck of sawdust. There's a huge difference between a plank and a speck. So how can we, Jesus is saying, how can we see a speck when we have a plank in our eye? The Amplified Version gives us a little bit more definition. The same two passages in the Amplified Version, Jesus is saying in this translation, do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority as though assuming the office of a judge so that you will not be judged unfairly. Verse 2 says, for just as you hypocritically judge others, when you are sinful and unrepentant, so how, so will you be judged? So you will be judged. And in accordance with your standard of measure used to pass out judgment, judgment will be measured to you. So the Amplified Version gives us a lot more definition here to deal with. The goal of today's message is to instruct us on the proper way that we're 
to go about living a solid Christian life, understanding what it means to judge and also to be judged. So obviously, we're going to find out that there is a right way and a wrong way to judge. The Amplified Version says, Do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority as though assuming the office of a judge. So we're giving a clear mandate and a process of what this means. My commentary says this, that Jesus condemns the habit, hear me, he condemns the habit of criticizing others while we ignore our own faults. How easy is it to be critical of a person, obviously when they're doing something wrong, that we consider wrong, that in our life, apparently they're doing something very wrong, when it's something that we don't struggle with. It's not a struggle for me, so therefore I'm not doing what they're doing. And so because it's not a struggle for me, it's easy for me to criticize them when I may have different struggles of my life that they don't have in their life, and I'm ignoring the struggles in my life, how hypocritical is it for me to judge them for that when I'm doing this? That's what Jesus is saying here. And that when I start judging that way, that is definitely a wrong way to judge. Let that settle in for a minute here. Jesus' statements always cut right to the heart of the matter, don't they? We've already said that we judge things and we judge people all the day, all the time, every day. We're always being judged and we're always judging. So it's imperative that we understand the parameters of judgment. When is it appropriate to judge? Who are we to judge? How do we judge? And by what standard are we judging by? And how do we receive, how do we receive judgment when people judge us? See, these are some really good questions that we need to keep in our mind and we need to wrestle with as we move forward. So these questions really are about framing our motivation to judge. So my question then begins, where does judgment, where does judgment start? Where does it begin? If we're going to live a judge, a godly life, a judgment must start at home. So the first thing we judge when we judge anything is ourselves. And we must examine our own heart. We must examine our own life to see, are we even measuring up to what we're expecting others to measure up to? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says, Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith or if your faith is genuine. Examine means judge. Judge yourself. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. First thing we do is judge ourselves. 
We can't even begin to judge others until we properly see ourselves in Christ. So the judgment must start at home. My commentary says that believers must first submit to God's righteous examination and to the standards of his word before attempting to evaluate and influence the the conduct of others, particularly other Christians. There's the word that we don't like, submit. Believers must first submit to God's judgment. If we're going to have any chance of judging others properly, we must first submit ourselves to be judged by God. And by our own examination. Well, we're going to come back to that. That's an important point. Let's talk about some definitions. The Greek word for judge is krino. And it means to decide or consider as preferring one thing over another or determining the correctness of a matter. Are we to pass judgment on it? Are we to condemn it? Are we to allow it? The Webster Dictionary says to judge is a is to form an opinion or a conclusion after weighing of evidence. After we take the time to know really what's happening in the situation, are we then to judge, according to Webster? We judge every day. So how do we judge? There must be a right, wrong, a, a right kind of judgment and a wrong kind of judgment. There must be a right time and a wrong time to judge. So how do we do this? It's very important that we understand this concept of what it means to judge and how we judge and how we accept judgment. Let me, let me give you an example. If I walked up to any one of you and complimented you on something that I saw in your life and say, you know what, I'm really, uh, I'm really proud of you. Good job. You know, you seem to be really living the life and good job. What would your reaction be? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I love it. Thank you. But if I was to walk up to you on another day and notice maybe something in your life that maybe wasn't so good and would offer some constructive criticism and say, you know, there's some things in your life that maybe aren't really lining up. How you doing? Are you okay? Um, what would a typical reaction to that be? None of your business. Who gave you the right to judge? How do we balance this with Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone? You're getting ahead of me, brother. <laughs> but then we've got the Bible is used to repute, reprove, rebuke, and educate, right? That's right. So we have to look at this. That's why we're talking about it, because it's so important that we understand how and why we judge. You see, the first time I judged as well, didn't I? Didn't I just give two judgments? I said, oh, you're doing great. And what did you say? Thank you. Maybe the re- response when someone comes up to you and say, you know, I see some things in your life that aren't doing so well. Are you okay? Maybe you should say, thank you. I needed that. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you for being observant. Thank you for caring enough that you would even bring it to my attention. You see, maybe the first time I should have said, wait, 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 
who gives you the right to judge me that I'm doing good? Who gives you the right? How do you know what's going on in my life? Maybe I'm doing rotten and you think I'm doing good. So I'm offended that you're thinking I'm doing good when actually I'm doing rotten. In fact, didn't Jesus do that actually? If you go back to the story of the young rich ruler, he came to me and he said, good teacher. And the first thing Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. Why do you call me good? Only God, my Father in heaven is good. Why do you call me good? So sometimes maybe we need to sit back and let our egos get deflated a little bit and say, wait, let's not worry about this too much because maybe the thing that you're speaking into my life, I need to hear it. So let's talk about our motives for judgment. There's some things I need to evaluate when you start talking about motives behind a judgment. And this is really important. When I feel a judgment coming on, there are some things I need to evaluate. Why am I feeling the need to judge? Two, what am I to do with this feeling of needing to judge a brother or a sister? And then three, what would God have me to do with that feeling? So let's talk about these. Why am I feeling this need to judge? This is really important. There are so many potential motives and reasons. Some are good and some are not so good. So we need to be discerning in our heart. When I feel a need or I feel a purpose or I feel a a desire to judge someone, I need to ask some questions. First of all, am I truly offended by the sin that I see or the misconduct? Am I truly sorry for them and how it's hurting Christ and how it's hurting the purpose of Jesus? Am I really concerned about the person's eternal well-being? Or am I envious or jealous of what they seem to be getting away with or getting In return, maybe I'm jealous because they get to do that and I don't. It's not fair that they're getting away with that. Maybe they're embarrassing me by the way their actions and by my association with them. So I need to feel the right to put them right. So I feel that it's my job to to limit my embarrassment. Maybe I hope they get what's coming to them because of their bad actions. Maybe you can think of other reasons I haven't listed here, but do you see the difference between good motives and bad motives for seeing the need to judge? Number two, what am I to do with this feeling of this need to judge? Do I confront them and address it privately and biblically, of which we'll talk about later? Do I deal with it? Or do I ignore it and move on because I don't like confrontation? I'm too busy to deal with it. It's not my responsibility. I'm not my brother's keeper, so to speak. Or maybe I confront them publicly and embarrass them. That's fun. Or maybe I do even worse. 
which is probably what we most of us do most of the time, is we talk about them behind their back. And we want to make everyone else know how bad they are. I slander them or gossip about them. And I may be speaking truth. Maybe what I'm saying is true, that what they're doing is wrong, but I'm not speaking to them, I'm speaking to others. Why? Because it might make me look better and maybe them look worse. Boy, there's some really motives here, aren't there? Gossiping is, that's why it's so bad. That's why it's so wrong. That's why gossipers and slanderers are listed with murderers and drunkards and all the other people that are going to hell. Because gossip is that painful and that wrong and that damaging. So I think we're getting the point that there are right ways to deal with this judgment. So much damage can be done if we judge people in a manner that isn't helpful or or profitable to the kingdom. So point three, what would God have me to do with this feeling? I think the first thing and the most obvious thing is slow down, buddy, and pray about it. Slow down before you say anything. Pray about it. Say, Father, I'm seeing this. What do I do with this? Give me your thoughts on this, Holy Spirit. Lead me into what I should do. Maybe I'm not the right person to deal with, or maybe I am the right person to deal with this. Obviously, there is a right approach, and this is the right approach, that we would pray and that we would seek God in what we're to do about this. But I think, like I said earlier, the first thing we need to do when we see this in somebody else's life, I think it's wise for us, first of all, to take an inventory again of our own life. Because nothing should put us at a point of superiority. Nothing should get us to the point that we're better than them. So the first thing we need to do, I believe, is take a look at our own life. And when we see sin in our life, because I would pretty much assure you, as I assure myself, that when I look at my life, I see sin. I may be forgiven and I may be going to heaven, but you know what? I'm not perfect. And there's areas in my life where I've messed up, and maybe in your lives too. So the first thing we need to do is when we see the sin in our lives is that we must do some things. The first thing we must do is to admit it. We must admit it that I'm not perfect. Before I can go to anybody else, I have to admit that I have some issues. I need to repent of them. I need to to ask God to forgive me and ask the Holy Spirit to help me not to repeat the same thing over and over again. See, when I can deal with sin that way in my life, that helps me to prepare to help someone that is dealing with sin in their life. When we don't deal with sin in a personal way like this, the enemy will sear our conscience. Do you know what that looks like? That's a whole different sermon that maybe we'll come down to another day. But when our conscience begins to be seared, that we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit's movement in our life again, we're dangerous. Dangerous spot to be when I start justifying myself and it doesn't even hurt me anymore. Whole different topic. So what are some objections to judgment? Why is it so harmful and damaging if it's not done properly? Or correctly. Again, 
the word says this. My commentary says that the passage here is often abused. This passage about judge not, like who gives you the right to judge me, is often abused and taken out of context to defend behavior that is immoral and clearly contrary to the instruction in God's word. Sinful deeds are done in darkness and don't want to be revealed by the light of godly judgment. Sin does not want to be uncovered. So we have to be really aware of this. Are we truly wanting the person's sin to be revealed so that they will be forgiven by Christ? Or do we want them to be revealed so that they can be judged by Christ? Luke chapter 6, 27 and 28, then in 36 and 37, Jesus says this, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And then skipping down to verse 36, he continues in that same chapter, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So to be honest, sometimes we we judge people in the wrong ways, and that's obviously a wrong motivation. But I think I want to share with you how we're to evaluate if we're to be the person to deal with the sin that might be in the lives of other people. Because God might be wanting to use you or me in helping a brother or a sister climb out of that whole of sin in their life. So here's a litmus test that I've used, that I've learned to use, because it's something that I'm, I'm learning. But when I see something that is clearly wrong, according to God's word, not according to my opinion, but according to God's word, here's a litmus test that I, 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 I measure it by. If I feel like I'm the person to speak to that person, it must really hurt me inside. I must feel a real angst in my spirit. And it's going to really hurt me to have to speak to that person about it. Almost like I'm disciplining my child. Do you remember what it was like? I can remember when, when I was a young boy and my dad would discipline us and he would do it with a belt. And I can remember him saying, Mike, this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me. And I'm saying, Dad, I don't get it. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm on the, the, the accelerated end of that belt, and I know how it's going to hurt. But, you know, when I became a dad, and I had that same time that I had to discipline my children, I found myself saying the same thing. Summer, Tyler, Jenna, Aubrey, whatever, whichever one it was, this is going to hurt me more than hurt you. And you know what it does? When you know you're doing it right, it hurts you to do it more than it hurts them because you're feeling the pain of it. Sometimes you can discipline out of anger, and that becomes abuse. Sometimes it feels good to whack them. Not a right motivation. Sometimes it feels good to tell somebody they're wrong. You see, I find myself saying, if it doesn't hurt me to say it, then don't say it. If it doesn't grieve me to have to expose the issue, then don't say it. You're not the right one to say it. Somebody else will. Or the Holy Spirit will do it on his on another way. But if it doesn't hurt me, then hold your tongue. 
That is a good litmus test for me when it comes to having to deal with some things in my brother's life or my sister's life is that it has to hurt. I have to know that my motivation is right. And it's going to hurt me to have to expose that because I don't, it just hurts. Then I know that I have the right motive because too easily I can do it in revenge. Too easily I can do it because they deserve it. You know what I'm talking about? To make sense? This doesn't mean that we ignore sin. That's never right. We just have to learn how to deal with it. Maybe we need to just pray about it. You see, there's always, there's still a time also for church discipline. So Jesus is never saying that we're to ignore sin. I mean, he gives great examples in, in Corinthians, and I'm not going to get into that today, about how churches do discipline for those that are intentionally rebelling against God's word, that there is a time for church discipline. And we need to be aware of that. But as we talked about, like last week, we talked about that we are the light of the world. The light of the world is, in a dark world, a purpose of exposing what's done in darkness. And when we're properly following the Lord, when we're properly keeping our lamp trimmed and our light burning, our light is just going to naturally expose the darkness in the world because that's what the light of God does. John three nineteen through 21, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, and their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So we don't have the right to pass final judgment as Jesus does. Jesus is the only one that has the right to judge a person to life and death. I never will have that right and neither will you. That's reserved for Jesus. Yet it's the light in us that exposes that light into the world that brings us into an opportunity to help lead someone out of darkness into the light because we are the light of Christ. That gives us a responsibility to live right first ourselves and then also to be that light of leadership, not a light of condemnation. The light that comes from us should never condemn, but should lead. When I feel the difference between the devil bringing condemnation and the Holy Spirit bringing conviction is that the Holy Spirit's conviction is very pointed and right to the point of that issue. Whereas the devil's condemnation is broad-based, broad-brushed, saying, you are worthless. You're an evil person. (laughs) Nothing good in you. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's the devil bringing condemnation. However, the Holy Spirit does bring a conviction that could be right to the point of that issue that you're dealing with. Ooh, you got to stop doing that thing. It's not that you're bad. It's just that that is bad. And it's being exposed in your life. And you need to stop that. And sometimes... God uses people in the process. But we have to be very careful there. Again, I want to go back to the commentary that I've been reading. The fact is that God's people must constantly use discernment. They may make wise judgments and accept or reject certain beliefs and behaviors regarding judging others and being judged. Proper judgments must always be made with grace 
and humility, realizing that it is God's place alone to pass final judgment. Yet God may choose to use people to help others deal with sinful behaviors. The definition of judgment is to use all of our senses and to be aware of the circumstances and all the facts to the best of our ability so that we can make good discerning judgments. I like the word discerning maybe more than judgments. Because discerning is saying that I'm seeing that's right from wrong, where Jesus is saying I'm judging right from wrong. Make sense? Going back to our example that we talked at the very beginning, Jesus was wrongly judged by the Jewish leaders of his day. And when he was judged wrongly, this is what Jesus said. John chapter 7, verse 24. He said, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. The New Living Translation says that look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. In other words, see everything that's going around and then make a proper judgment. And that proper judgment might change your attitude. Maybe when you know all the facts, you might say, oh, I misunderstood that. I didn't see it that way. Peter gives us a very timely instruction in the days that we're living in because we are living in the end days. I firmly believe that, folks, that we are living in the end days. And, and, and Peter says this, First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert. And of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now again, he's not saying here that love does, says it's okay to sin. It's not what he's saying at all. Rather, what he's saying is love is not easily offended and it does not hold a grudge. So instead, I need to learn how to forgive people so that I can be forgiven and I need to share the truth of God in a loving way that they can be forgiven. That's what he's saying here. Because he goes down in the 17th verse of that same chapter. He says, For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with us. He says, If judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's word or heard the good news? You see, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. It begins right now in our church. We begin to judge ourselves first. And as we do that, I then can learn how to be a good discerning judge of other situations. As I am properly judging myself first. Judgment is necessary for us to live life, guys. We cannot live without judgment. We just need to learn how to do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 31. But if we would examine ourselves we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined because sometimes it hurts so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So do we want, do you want discipline or do you want condemnation? Your choice. Do you want to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit or do you want to be condemned by the world? I choose discipline. I would just as soon have the discipline up front, the hard things up front, knowing where I'm right and wrong, dealing with the wrong things in my life so that I don't have to live in the fear of condemnation that's coming upon the world. Does that make sense? So judgment is good, guys. I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that it's wrong to judge or be judged. We just have to learn how to do it. Jackie, would you come, please? 
And I know that internal judgment is difficult. It can be painful. But I would much rather have the pain now so that I can deal with the issues rather than being condemned later, rather than skating through life now only to know, or even maybe you don't know, maybe that's the problem with the world. We're so deceived we don't even know that real judgment's coming. That's the danger. So my prayer this morning is that we've come to a little, a little better understanding of what it really means to be judged and how to judge. You see, truth comes in one form. There isn't two forms of truth. Come, truth comes in one form, and that's the only way that we will experience true freedom and peace is when we invite the judgment of God. In fact, I would say this, that as I end today, Jesus says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let me say it this way. We need to invite judgment into our lives. We, we shouldn't run from it. If I'm running from judgment, then that should make it very obvious that I'm hiding something. It should be obvious to me that if I'm running from judgment, that there's something in my life I don't want people to see. That's a wake-up call. I should be living my life in a way that I should be inviting you to judge me. And you might see something that's wrong. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But I should have an attitude to say, thanks for caring. Thanks for using the word, as Mark said earlier, to correct and rebuke and rebuke and to be taught that is what we need to have that's the attitude that's the way we need to live life not running away from judgment but inviting it because that's accountability and that's what i need that's what this church needs that's what this world needs because there is so much untruth that's being spoken in this world that is not that's running away from the 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 Running away from a judgmental attitude. Running away. They don't want to be criticized. They don't want to be checked. They don't want to be questioned. A good answer will substantiate many questions. If you have truth in your life, you have nothing to fear. My dad would often say, if you're going to be a liar, you have to have a great memory. But truth says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Invite judgment. And know that when you do that, it may be disciplined, you may be hard, it may be painful for the season. But God's got great hope and restore for you as a result. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for judgment. I thank you, Lord, that I can live a life not of perfection, but of repentance. I can live a life inviting, first of all, the Holy Spirit's judgment in my life. That I'm asking you to come in and examine my heart and let me know of the areas that I am not doing well in. That I can shore up those areas and I can go through it by, first of all, admitting it, repenting of it, asking for forgiveness from it, and then asking you not to make me, not to allow me to change me so that I don't repeat that same sin that I would 
truly walk away from it. That's true repentance. And then, Lord, I pray that I would also invite others around me to look into my life. And I would ask a brother and a sister to hold me accountable so that we can hold each other accountable, that we can be tools that you would use to build each other up. So I pray, Father, that we understand true judgment and we avoid false judgment and we just seek your face and all of this. We make this our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Let's sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing and let's just uh, use this as a time of worship before we go. Father, as we surrender of ourselves today, we are inviting your presence. Lord, to strip us bare of our ego and of our pride. And we just say we submit and we surrender our hearts and lives to you today. And we walk out of this place a new person today. We walk out of here knowing that you love us so much that you will discipline us. That you will point out areas in our life that we may not be right living up to par in that particular area, but you do so in a way that you love us to bring us up to your standards, never to take us down to condemnation. You never condemn. You only convict. And you do it with with our best interest in our hearts and in our minds. Help us to receive this today. And help us to apply it today. And I just thank you for all of your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed today.